Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And today we are going to be talking as we do, uh, as we've done for the past several Wednesdays, and we'll continue We're talking about HBO's The Deuce. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, season three, episode four. They can never go home, referring to uh, everyone's general opinion on on what's going to happen with Melissa mm-hmm. after she goes home with her asshole father. Yeah, they're all right. All the opinions are right. Especially our opinion from last episode because we smoked this <laughs> shit out. I read so many yeah. fucking reviews talking about how heartwarming it is and how people can't. Nah, I, no. I saw this coming. I saw this coming. And I yeah. don't know. Maybe they'll have a happy home life. Seems like he's loaded they with They won't. Dump. I mean, this is all about him. Yeah. It's all about him and making himself feel better and getting her out of this life. Cause the he... way he said, I thought she was dead, but then I found that the world was using her as a whore. And like, <laughs> right. like did, would you have preferred her being dead? Because that's almost the the sentiment I got from from him. Yeah, she might prefer being dead after the life she's she's winding up for. Like yeah. he's gonna be back into the thumb of your father and, and he's they're not gonna accept you because of the life you've lived and like I'm just it's Eileen you know, writ small, I guess. Yeah, like, no, I'm super I'm super disappointed in her friend Reg. Like Yeah, you know, he, you're he a gay, you're a gay black man in New York City. Are you not familiar with some of your peers having rocky relationships with their yeah. their parents, being disowned by their parents, being judged for mm-hmm. various religious failings or moral failings and I just felt like they would. He would probably be more sympathetic to that situation. But it's like this. Yeah. This. This dad that has this crazy, fucking street preacher routine outside of her apartment for three days, and he's like, <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it seems pretty true blue to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than Melissa getting sucked into um, a life of of bullshit and judgment, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm saying her dad's gonna start drinking. Oh yeah, it's gonna go bad. Yep. Uh, what did you think of the episode? Uh, I mean. It's it's a let's call it a mid season finale like the big event. Very good way to put it. Big big event here. We're we're halfway through the season, and I keep having to remind myself this is the last season. They're uh-huh. building to the climax here, because when I see something like Frankie, which we'll talk about later, I'm like, oh god, how am I going to go the rest of the show without Frankie? But I, I there's only four more episodes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it was shocking that it happened this quickly. It's also shocking that despite all the flashing red warning signs around him and his relationship with Rudy, yeah. that it's this kind of small-time side hustle made man's son popping off that that gets him in the end. Yeah, it kind of sucks. I wanted to see some confrontation between Rudy and him. Yeah. Uh, or at least Tommy and him. Because I thought that would make... Like that would be a show of uh, a show of strength that that we've seen from Rudy for, and we haven't seen one in a long time. But right. it turns out that now he's not going to get that. I wonder how that shakes out in terms of like you've got the son of a made man murdering a asshole <laughs> jackass yeah. clown of a brother of a who, guy who was giving Rudy a cut of some of his yeah, stuff. Like who's a who's a money who's a <laughs> yeah manager money man for a made uh-huh. man. I don't know how that's going to shake out, and if there's going to be, I think Rudy's going to be like Vince. Say, hey, if you need revenge, no one's going to stop you. Yeah, no one's going to help you either. <laughs> I ain't going to go to war with this guy's dad because your brother is a fucking idiot. Because here's the thing about Frankie, we could talk about this later. Yep. If it wasn't this, it'd have been something. Oh yeah, yeah. He was asking for it. Yeah, uh, and he finally got it. Yeah. Uh, the the thing about this episode though is it's giving it to everybody. Like every, it's getting messy. Like yeah. we're headed toward the end of the series and shit's more up in the air, more yep. like 
two-sided than I've ever seen it. The stuff that was going to be easy money wasn't going to be easy money, that you really expect that Eileen was going to waltz into that feminist meeting and like be able to kind of like put yeah. them back on their heels, and that absolutely did not happen. Chris is getting more and more murky with his, uh, right. you know, trying to, 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 to chase like, the... Like, is it the money? Is it his love of the city? Is it his, you know, love of being a cop? What is it with Chris at this point? I don't know. I'm, I'm on Jack Maple's side. I'm starting to look at him and go, man, Chris, you're doing a lot of shit. Yeah, you a cop or a real estate agent. <laughs> right. Uh, Lori's, you know, finally getting some opportunities. But, uh, I, I mean, let's let's just start getting to the episode before we just give a half-ass job of covering all the plots. Um, yeah. I'm going to go plots from, like, least to most impactful um, or, like, least plot points to least plot time to most pa- uh, plot time in okay. rough order. Uh, Paul and Todd, we check yeah, in yeah, with yeah. their single scene. Almost nothing. Yep. Um, they are uh, cuddling on the couch and they're watching Todd's performance on the soap and kind of like, you know, making fun of it, but not. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet because uh, Todd's too weak uh, to even get off the couch. And Paul carries him officer in a gentleman style to the bedroom, which I thought was pretty swoony. That seems yeah. very dashing and and and, uh, and and handsome of him. Uh, and it's very sweet and cute, but also tragic and bittersweet. And yeah. Ugh. And I wonder if that's why they get so little screen time because we kind of know yeah. what's going Their on. Days we of know going out what's going to happen is 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 are probably going to be if 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 not numbered uh the, in in their final moments and and yeah it's it's going to be we had enough gut punches this episode we're going to save a few more for late season right uh Chris let's talk about Chris um okay I have big questions about this whole okay scenario so he's he's starting off with Jack Maple's people uh, using undercover prostitutes yeah preston or undercover police police uh persons to pose as prostitutes to bust johns and get convictions against his property Mm -hmm. they're singling out this area but it's slow going apparently like they get one john what a night yeah they got they got like a week to do this they need like five convictions or or five arrests but i think it's i think the thing is is like what the prosecutor starting to trying to say is like look if we just do like just pick up five johns and get five prosecutions in like a single week that there's this um harassment law because obviously the deuce has got prostitution all up and down if one building's getting singled out for all the attention then what they're trying to do which I couldn't find exactly how the New York City padlock rule uh, worked. I found other cities' padlock rules, and like there's a padlock uh, rule in uh, in Canada. And if anyone knows better than <laughs> me, then please uh, enlighten me at TV at baldmove.com. But the way I understand it works is it's a way. It's kind of like um, some states have three strikes rules, where it's like if you th- commit three yeah. felonies, you're life in prison. You, you're out of choices. Like the padlock rule is like a three strikes bill, uh, rule for property. Mm-hmm. That like if you're a club owner and you claim, hey, I'm running an above the board club, but you get five drug convictions, you know, like drug dealing convictions it's in your four walls within X amount of time, they can literally just padlock your doors, close you up and start like uh, going after your property as if you were a drug lord yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that it's, it's so funny because like that seems quaint because now the imminent domain and seizure laws are so, mm-hmm. so lax that like if a cop pulls you over and you got five grand in your pocket because you're out to go buy a used car. Yeah. Hey, how can you prove you didn't make that money selling it or you're going to buy drugs and they just take it? Yeah, we need six new SWAT outfits. Let's do this. Exactly. Let's swipe this cash. But I think that's what they're trying to do. And the prosecutor's pointing back that, hey, you know, the property owners have rights too. And if you look, if it looks like we're doing what we're doing, then it'll fuck us in court. 
So right, that. So yeah, he's he's, and then there's this whole fire thing that they set. Um, they they go to Ralph Macchio, uh-huh. um, and they they have him set a fire because they're getting super desperate, right? Like right. There's there's a thirty million dollar deal development deal on the line. The money's yeah. about to move out of that equation yeah. uh, at the end of the week. And it's, it's delicate. It's my read of the situation because at first I thought what was going to happen because ha- Lieutenant Haddix has been portrayed as an idiot is that they were going to start this fake fire and then they were going to open open it up and the room was burnt but not. I thought we we're going to get a backdraft situation yeah. where it's just going to explode and, and it's going to kill these cops. There's and- going to two dead cops. Yep. Or at least one dead cop and one dead arsonist, and it's not going to look good. And it's going to blow up in Chris's face. But apparently, the art of this is to make it look like an arson, mm-hmm. which which is an, an ob- which arson. is a crime just of in and of itself. And but you don't actually want to burn the building down because number one, I think they want to buy the building to renovate it. Or at the very least, they want to buy that property, and if he gets insurance money for this building, there's mm-hmm. no, there's still no incentive to sell. Right, I guess the tree. Like he doesn't have a building, but he's got a bunch of money. Hotel project. Right, right. Yeah. So they've got to make it look like they don't want to de- destroy the property. They don't want to be, and this is, you know, they they carefully orchestrate a a clear arson. They have it called in by a quote unquote anonymous tip, and now you've got your crime. You've got your, I guess. I, like, again, this must satisfy the, the padlock rule, and they're probably going to be able to get this guy's property. Yeah, it's insane to me that an arson would be a crime that you would be held accountable for. Because that, that, is a, that is a crime that happens to you, not a crime that you've committed. Like, I could maybe see, okay, you've allowed a bunch of people in here to do drugs and prostitute. and Is it thought like, that he was trying like, to burn down his own slum building? Like, are they going to try to prove pin that? This, are you they going to try to pin it on that. the psychiatrist? Well, that's why I have... I mean, maybe you got that, yeah, the guy who said, oh, yeah, he paid me to... Go get the insurance money for this thing. Well, that's what I'm saying, because he says, how bad is it? It's bad. How fucked up is it? It's pretty fucked. Uh This wasn't that fucked up. So I wonder if they're going to try to plant a bunch of evidence on the psychiatrist, and then that's that's in-game. This this is the big question I had coming out of this scene is, did this work? Did this do what they wanted it to do? I think this is going to, they're doing the David Simon thing where it's like, you got part one and then part two will be, you'll, you'll, they're, you're, you're evolve, your understanding will evolve in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but I like the scene where he's at the bar and they're debriefing Jack Maple and he's like, yeah, no complete, no complaints on the police work. But, you know, I still got this, this problem with the building. And the guy's like, yo, who cares? Are you a cop or real estate agent? Uh-huh. And, it's interesting because it's like they're doing this because the 30 million won't wait another month. And after our podcast, um, or maybe it was before, I can't remember when I did all this research, but I was, I did a bunch of research in, um, uh, that whole rent seeking thing we talked about last week. Yeah. And one of the things that was, I encountered is this uh, concept of the Tulloch paradox, which is, okay. So let's say that there's this $30 million properties being developed. Okay. How much is a political favor to eliminate the red tape on that project worth you'd think it'd be worth like less than 30 million less than 30 million but like you know if you, well, if you use the fat joe l- less than the potential profit on that 30 million I okay guess. okay so like if you're uh, if you roll by the proposition joe rules from the wire you buy for one sell for two okay let's say that there's 15 let's say there's 50 million dollars of profit uh-huh. a political favor could be worth seven eight million dollars right sure easily but for whatever reason, these like if you need a hundred million dollar pipeline through South Dakota, 
you can fight that through courts and spend millions and millions of dollars, or you can you can donate to the right two senators re-election campaign fifty thousand dollars a piece, <laughs> and it goes away. Yeah. The paradox is, even though these favors are worth so much, the politicians and the cops are bought for so comparatively little. Like, yeah. how much do you think Chris is going to pay Haddock for doing this? Ten grand, oh, maybe five grand. If that, the one guy saying this is even worth charging for. <laughs> um, it's it's crazy that like you can make so much money off such a like political bribery um and one of the so one of the things about this paradox is like there's a whole bunch of economists like studying like why does this happen and one of the leading theories is that we live in this law and order society where people look down on bribes and if politicians charged what their bribes are actually worth, they would lead such lavish lifestyles and have so much money that would blow up in their face. So they're constrained yeah. by our societal sense of what's appropriate. But that doesn't stop the corruption. It just makes the corruption petty and small scale and easy yeah. to, easier to pull it off. It just shifts the profits. Which, to me, is a paradox of its own. Yeah. But I think that David Simon and, and Pelicanos are trying to, like, teach us all this through through hmm. through the deuce of, like, you know, scratch your head and think, why is Chris doing this? Yeah. Where's the money coming from? How much is it costing? Look at how much money is at stake. And, you know, how do you stop that? Mm-hmm. Because again, if if ten thousand dollars can get thirty million dollars into a property, who the fuck wouldn't pay that? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a question of motivation too. Like you were saying, you know, what? Why is Chris doing this? Chris has nothing to gain. He wants from to make New done. York better, and he thinks having thirty million dollar building replacing this thing, like if if if, and he's kind of right. I mean, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna clean up that area, but I, I I can't remember when it was, but we talked about, you know, how this problem just shifts elsewhere. Like, yeah, we know what happens yeah. to to Times Square. Yeah, it gets cleaned up, but all of that prostitution, all of that drug dealing, it's going to it's going that, to move to a lower income exactly. middle class and and and, fuck, and make it a mud hole. And, and, and Chris, then, having done this for this long, should know that shit. Yeah, Jack Maple Jack Maple should know that shit, and he should be telling him that, and like. I, I don't feel I don't feel like I have a good grasp on why Chris is still continuing on this project. Well, so I don't have a good grasp on that too, but like it's also indicative of something like in our economy that I've been noticing, like these like cycles of gentrification is mm-hmm. why does that keep happening? And it's I think it's because it's kind of semi-intentional because it's a way for people to if if you take a pro if you take a place and you do things that are you guarantee are going to socially economically set an area back and have it cause and uh, have it decline and be infested with crime and depress property values, who comes in and buys it? The people who have the money to redevelop it. And then they 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 put a fraction of a, they they put a little bit of elbow grease and spit and polish and some political grease in mm-hmm. there and they they make ten times the profit. Yeah. And then some other area declines because they run out this other and they just this just gets just be repeated over decades and decades and decades. Mm. And like the poor middle class get poor and poor and poor. Yeah, I was reading an article about uh, parking lots and if there's any profit in them. And it turns out parking lots aren't really profitable. However, they're sort of like chips that you put down. They're quarters on an arcade machine yes. that says, I this got next mine. game. Yeah. 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 And when this area you know starts to redevelop, or, or when the time is right, we're going to make a shitload of money off this parking lot right. by turning it into a series of condos or something. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's that same thing. Yeah, like it's like all these crazy fucking shell games that people play in broad daylight and no one, but we're all too busy to kind of keep track and think of like, wait a second, it's like all this churn, mm-hmm. is it actually doing anything? Like, or 
Yeah, I mean it is. It's making money for very specific people. Yeah. Um... Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's about all I got on the the Chris situation. You want to move on? What, to about, what about Preston? Chris and Preston. Oh yeah, they're fucking. Yeah. <laughs> That's Chris the, gets it in, that's, man. That's the human interest that makes you pay attention to the class that, that, that they're yeah. trying. But yeah, yeah. Chris gets, gets it in. I can't... I feel like he's had a different woman every season, but I thought he was married last year. He's clearly not this I, I year. I couldn't tell you. He's definitely not married this year, yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe he is. Like, uh, Frankie and Bobby, glad they're married. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Lori. Um, okay. God, this is really sad because this uh-huh. is a story of Lori getting some legitimate shots to do things and overreacting to the failures. But but also being held back by her past a little bit. Because I that's think the when thing. she walks into an audition room, she gets laughed out of the room because she's a porn star. But does she? Well, so so they turn that they turn that thing around, right? Like once cuz I get the impression that when she walks into that audition, they're not looking for her to get this part at all. They don't they don't even want her here. They're doing a favor even letting her in the door. Yeah. And and so they're not giving her the information she needs. They're not they're just saying, "Yeah, read this read this line." But I think that's like And she does it and then she's like, "Well, what what's the larger context here? Can you tell me anything about the story?" Uh-huh. And then they do and I feel like she's she's gearing up for an actual good performance here. Like it's kind of a fucked up story and we can talk about, you know, how this movie's storyline is just as fucked up as any porn she's been in, any broom she's had shoved up the, her ass. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things. But right. that's, that's also the lowest run film. of legitimate acting, too. Like, you get these sure. bit parts and shit that, like, you know, you kind of, there's more, you're, you're, you, 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 when you're getting cast at this level, it's essentially you walk in a room and do you look like the the, the character is, yeah. is is most of it. And can you say most, the yeah. lines? It's like, you're, you're, it's, it's not about her being. But I, I don't know because I don't what's know. your name. But I, I feel like what's your name is a big part of this too, right? Like who yeah. who are you? Yeah. Um, Why do you think Stevie told him to come out here for a sure thing and then bailed on the like? That's the other thing is is this Greg saying he's got more suction than he's got and making more promises? Because that's the other thing is you know when he was like ranting and raving saying he's going to fix this, I'm like. There's some people that can rant and rave and fix things, and there's other people that say they can rant and rave and fix things, mm-hmm. and rant and rave and they destroy things. Yeah. And Greg, and and the thing is, is from uh, the, the the really fucked up thing is, is I've met both types and I can't tell the difference between the two, because they both they they all seem so really fucking sure of themselves, but you don't mm-hmm. know which ones that are making the promises that actually will stick, and which ones don't. You just almost have to experience, and if. The good news is, if you bet wrong, it can only fuck up your whole career. So that's <laughs> yeah. Here's that's here's the thing, news. though. I I actually, I, what'd you say his name was? The boyfriend of Lori? Greg. Greg. I 
I came around a tiny bit on Greg in this episode because at least he's trying. Like I, it, it's still clear to me that he's not. Lori's not going to get the piece of this pie that she's looking for. Well, I think he's, and that she's he, going to be abused on, and he's going to make money off her back. Right. But but he is out there trying to get her into the kinds of things she wants to do, and I think that gives me a little bit more respect for him but he's trying but if he's not capable then again all sure. he's doing is stealing fifteen thousand dollars from her and two thousand dollars a month to start a production <laughs> company so he can be doing these things so if he didn't do these things well he's 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 trying and failing i, I get it like and that's costing them money right but, but is that part of the scam like so i don't know good again question. Yeah. because like i was pretty sure last week that this is a whole this is just a grift operation he's right. running so i see this as just parts of the mechanism of the grift running <laughs> okay but, i see him trying to make it not a grift but but i still think thing, it's a like, grift is he because like i've also seen people spend good money on bad ideas and bad right. personnel uh-huh. in good faith yep so there again it's like that's the whole that's why so many businesses fails because you know if everyone with uh, that that wanted and had a solid idea and had enough coins to scrape together succeeded then you wouldn't have the abysmal small business failure rate that we do yeah well, what is it like one in five businesses don't uh, math, uh or four out of five businesses don't don't make it past two years or something like that it sounds about right yeah um so the other thing is before we get into the kind of interlude of vince and, and Lori, um she goes back to um gets this open mic gig and mm-hmm. i thought she was good Pretty good, but the yeah. thing is, is this is an open mic night, and not everyone's going to be paying rapt fucking attention to yeah. your performance. And like, there's some giggling that probably has nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. And I, I kept on thinking, like, why she's getting what she wants, which are these shots, but she overreacts to the failures. And I kept on coming back to this is Cece, like him beating her, raping her, and saying you'll always be a whore. Like every single time she swims against the current, that's got to be echoing in her head. Like this is probably Hmm. the result of the psychological damage here yeah like why would she be a strong confident person be able to take setbacks when you've you've had the you know uh background that she's had Hmm. do you want to talk about her welcome home party (laughs) sure um so she's already feeling (sighs) like what are you doing she's because you know uh she 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 flames out of this uh audition and you know greg shows hey look your face is everywhere because she's on a skin mag mm-hmm. and she's feeling like you know uh uh she's just feeling like a whore and she finds her friends and it looks like that her and vince are going to have like a friendly little hookup and then wants to bring out the condoms which wants is a smart be... play in his point but she takes it personally which i kind of understand too it's like <laughs> i understand both sides of this like yeah. good on vince yeah but I see what Lori's getting at. I remember watching a sex ed film early in high school, and it was one of the scenarios. So it's essentially teaching condom use. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe my mom must have been. I'm trying to think how I actually got here because, like, the sex ed they, they gave us in middle school, I had to sit out with the other weirdo religious kids because <laughs> my mom didn't want them teaching sex ed. Just teach them nothing and everything will be fine. <laughs> but they they had all these like, you know, these like very after school shot, but it's like a very mature after school. And there's all these pe- these all these teenagers talking about having sex and like, you know, what do you do if the boy doesn't want to wear a condom? But they also had a bunch of scenarios about what do you do if the girl doesn't wear a condom? And it was all variations of like, you want to wear a condom? You must think I'm a whore. You must think a disease. And some of the responses like that the, they suggest is like, uh, no, baby. 
you don't understand. I've been around, and I want to. Pro- it's not you. It's me. I want. I want to protect you. And I, I, I was. I remember thinking as a fourteen-year-old, I would love to see how that would go. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not that I think you're a whore. It's just I've been with so many women. I got so many fucking diseases. We got to wrap this dick before up uh, before I put it inside you, because God knows what'll happen. Oh my God. Like, uh, that's not gonna. That's not gonna work. No. But, but that's the situation. Vince is doing the smart thing, right? But it's making Lori. And what's what's really what's really interesting is that Lori just pushed for someone in a dangerous field to use a condom with her because uh-huh. it wasn't safe. Vince in New York and like one of the epicenters of the AIDS crisis doing the same thing. Right. And she's it's and, but she's she's very sensitive in this moment, right? Like you said, right. she's feeling like a whore. She's and so when it's right. when it's shoved in her face yeah. in this way, uh, pun intended, I guess. Uh, she reacts and I, I get it. It's, it's maybe not the best reaction to have to someone wanting to be responsible and use a condom. Right. Right. But it's a reaction. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of those things where it's unfortunate ever, uh, all around because Vince is doing the right thing. She is overreacting, but she's overreacting for a very particular reason. Some of them stretch back five, 10 years. Some of them they're fresh to this day, this night. But yeah. uh, it's it just. But what's going through Vincent's head? Why is he hooking up with Lori? Uh, is, is it because of this relationship with, this with Abby? Yes. Okay. It's, he's feeling like for the first time maybe he's being replaced. Yeah. And it's not good enough for him to have his baby mama on the hook. He needs <laughs> like a porn superstar. Yeah. You know, the, like I, I feel like it's a it's a it's a way to bolster. But honestly, it's a way to bolster both of their self esteem at this point. I, mean, I guess when you're working at Studio Fifty Four, essentially. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not gonna settle for your ex. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's happening to be there, convenient. I love Big Mike, yeah. like, dude. Yeah, like this is not a good play for either of you. Happy to see he's still working here at yeah. Vince's club instead of running his own. Mm, I wonder if that's gonna ever gonna come back around. Don't do it. Don't the, do it. The thing it. is, is like with Frankie getting shot up in this club, like I would, I think that would give you pause. Like, yeah. I don't know if I want to get in business with these guys. Although Frankie is the unstable element. Everybody else. It's true. Uh, is, uh, is pretty good. Um, so I think that's all we have to say about Lori. Before we get back to the episode, I want to talk a little housekeeping here for bald move. Uh, right now, American horror story, 1984 season is in full swing and just in time for the spooky Halloween Uh, Speaking of spooky Halloween, Cecily and I, in addition to American Horror Story, are doing uh, our scary movie podcast, the annual Cinematic Spooktacular 3, The Search for Spook. This week, we're discussing the movie Spring, Brightburn, and the classic 1978 John Carpenter slasher flick, Halloween. Also, Jim and I did a preview podcast for Mr. Robot, whose final season starts this weekend. And you know, we'll have complete coverage of every episode, every Wednesday. You can find that by searching for 2-Bit Encryption in your favorite podcast. Why not subscribe today? Also, our Rick and Morty coverage rolls on. This week, we covered the Season 3 episode, Vindicators 3, The Return of World Ender. We also talked to Danielle Radford, writer for Screen Junkies Honest Trailers, as well as Maximum Fun's wrestling podcast, Tights and Fights, about superheroes in the Rick and Morty universe. And tomorrow, we're seeing the Joker movie that everyone's talking about. Will it live up to the buzz? Will it destroy Western civilization? Find out. That review will be in our Bald Movies feed. Do you want to talk about Eileen? Because, like, essentially, Eileen bleeds right into Abby, and I'm going to take him kind of, like, in order. Yeah. Um, Eileen is out scouting with Hank the various, like, off-Broadway stage plays, and Mm -hmm. there's some terrible ones. Like, we see... 
I thought the three witch, the three stacked naked witches, uh, uh, with the cauldron of Ronnie Reagan on TV, like mm-hmm. I thought that might have been kind of interesting. But what was the first one? Uh, the deers and headlights, apparently. <laughs> uh, but the thing I is, I don't know is, what the plays were. I start. I'm starting to see the point where the relationship is fracture, going to fracture because. I don't think Hank has the patience. He doesn't take this career seriously at its core. Hmm. Because the things that she needs to do, like I need to get real actors, but I can't afford to pay real actors. So what I don't have in money, I want to make up in hustle. And I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like uh, the, the, the college football team that's got to be scrappy. And you got to, you got to recruit from the high schools that not everybody recruits from. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to find the cream of the the crap essentially. (laughs) And he's like, I could just give you $150,000. Also, I want to go to Bermuda this weekend. Why, why, what do we got? And he just doesn't feel like he has patience or takes her process seriously i think this is the point that they're going to fracture because he just fundamentally um doesn't respect her limitations because he to me this it's, it's all just money and he's i because I, he doesn't understand them right he's got the money like yeah i, I think he understands it just that the, the the patience isn't going to be there so i think that's may, maybe what's going to um torpedo it just like her limitations hmm. combined with her like you know wanting to do she got champagne filmmaker taste on a beer budget and that's going to cramp his style could we see some kind of you know after what i view as a devastating barrage from women against porn uh on eileen could we see any change in eileen is eileen going to reevaluate what she's doing or how she's doing it yes but i think she's still going to make porn it's going to just take some of these um objections and these reasonable objections that were brought up in this meeting she's going to take that into account and like have that add so so she's got the things she wants to say right but Mm -hmm. she sees the value in the things these other women want to say and i'm wondering if she's going to bring some of that into her her porn auteur work yeah um but i don't know because like uh how do you do that? Because it, within the, the, the women are absolutely right. Is like, you know, working within this industry is kind of a tacit, uh, you're, you're benefiting and it's a tacit endorsement of the industry and the industry's got problems, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll, we'll have to see where this goes. Um, let's bring Abby into the picture. Cause they're going to dovetail nicely. Yeah. Um, Loretta starts things off by asking for time off to testify for the porn hearings in Washington. Uh, Ronald Reagan and the company are got on their moral high horse. They want to ban pornography. And Abby says, you guys are playing with fire because, you know, everybody, you know, even in nowadays, the First Amendment is one of the holiest cows we have in this country and for good reason. Mm-hmm. And she's like, if you make it against, you know, that this industry versus the First Amendment, you guys are going to lose. And they do lose eventually. They, they, yeah, like I, I so, porn is more available than any other time in human history. I'm pretty and they lose sure. on those grounds. Like w- obscenity laws um, were not enacted because of free speech. Like yeah. how all, how do you tell what is obscene? And I guarantee all these laws she's bragging about, like being able to pass, and I bet those are all struck down by this point. Yeah. Um, there's also so her and her relationship with PLR is expanding, and Vince is doing what seems like is a new pattern in their relationship, which is he's kind of horning in. Um, he sees well, was he horning in? I, I got the impression that she forgot to put the the thing on the door. No, he said he did, and like I think when he goes oh. back out, that that thing, the dog tag, is still there. I thought he put it there. Maybe he maybe she forgot, which was a party foul. But I I thought pretty sure that she did remember. 
Uh, but she, huh, he kind of like tries okay. to pass it off as joke and offers to join them, um, which they're not having it. But I, so I'm not quite sure about all the subtleties of their relationship because I've said, yeah. you know, the past few weeks that this is the thing that feels most clunky about the Deuce right now. The fact that their relationship is cro- frozen in carbonite for five years mm-hmm. and, you know, we're here. Because uh, there's this conversation where Abby and Pilar are out, and Pilar wants her to stay over at her house, and she's like, "Well, I got to call with Vince because he's kind of spooked." And there's this—you hear on Vince's side, he's like, "I'm telling you, this is no different than anything else that you and me are going to do." Hey, we'll go out for breakfast, and then he's like, "No, you guys have fun, okay?" And he hangs up. What is—is is he still trying? Is so? There's one interpretation which Vince sees the danger of Abby falling in love with this woman and it being the end of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also the uh, thing where the, he's just not taking their relationship seriously because they're lesbians and he's just a horny hetero guy wanting to, to get in, right? Uh-huh. And I feel like both of those somehow are being portrayed. I'm not sure which is which because I'm telling you this is no different than anything else you and me are going to do implies that he's still trying to push for the three-way. Yeah, and it 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 casts confusion. Over, I think on Vince, like, mm-hmm. and I think that's somewhat intentional. I think Vince is confused, right? I don't think he goes after Lori if he's not confused. Um, or, but but where he's going to end up on this, I guess, is the big question to me. Maybe it's also a way for him to, because like you know, Vince isn't the most emotionally available guy. Mm. Like if he's like, oh, hey, yo, Abby, I'm afraid you're falling in love with this girl, and you're not going to fall in love with me. Like he's not going to do that. No, instead he's gonna so, lay in bed with her, wrap his arm around her, and but but let also that like say if, what it if says, he's like I don't if, know. He, if he's like hey I want to get in on your girl on girl fun and if it's just a girl on girl fun thing then why like apparently they've done that before but the fact that she's resistant to it mm. like so this is his kind of way of having this um, like defining their relationship without actually having to define the relationship yeah. Uh, but you're right. There's a whole bunch of like, you know, when Vince comes home and tries to put his arm around her, she just gets out of bed coldly. It's like, I thought they were going for but like. then comes back with a birthday cupcake. Then comes out of birthday and then cake. Like, they, she does lay with him. But she's got that pensive look on her face. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, this is just, I just feel, still feel like this is a slow, mo- this is a slow moving train wreck. <laughs> yeah, it's for just, sure. They're going to fly apart. Um, anyway, Vince is whatever. There's another, before we get to the, the women against pornography scene, um, there's a really good scene at the end where they're at their birthday party Mm. and, you know, Frankie obviously takes his wife out for first dance. Uh, but then Vince looks and he sees Abby and his ex-wife there and clearly he's with Abby. He should be, she should be his first dance, but he's also wanting to get with the baby mama and it looks like she's as a power play <laughs> expecting that and he's like fuck what do i do what do i do and abby's a real bro by doing the like i'm gonna take you out for i'm gonna take your ex-wife out for a sexy dance uh-huh. that allows him to kind of like it like she gives him cover there yeah yeah i can't tell if they're good for each other or awful for each other i don't know at this point i think they're gonna outgrow each other i thought they it, had five years ago yeah, like that's the thing i know you're you're not i wrong. don't know where this is going um Okay. I thought it was going toward Vince and his ex getting back together, but yeah. is it? I don't know. I think so. And I like I because the thing how is, how does like, Frankie change the equation here? And I have no investment. Like I don't. I'm not going to be broken up for Vince if Abby mm-hmm. dumps him. I'm not going to be happy for him if he gets back with his ex-wife. It's yeah. like whatever, man. This is like I love Abby and I love Vince's characters, but I mm-hmm. don't give a shit about their relationship, and I don't think that each other do either. No. 
but I'm with you. So it's like the lowest stakes thing currently happening, um, other than maybe uh, Bobby's relationship with his toupee. <laughs> uh, and his fucking sleeveless shirt, he's added to the horror. Oh, God. Is it like a sleeveless members only jacket? It's like a sleeveless denim button up that he's. I don't know what it is. It's awful. Yeah, it's the worst fucking. <laughs> like, how can. Like, how is Rudy sitting there in his $1,000 suit <laughs> yeah, taking him this seriously? Guy run his his yeah. joint. Yeah, where his like secretary essentially is the one that fixes the problem. I, uh-huh. I think they're going somewhere at that. They I want to talk about yeah. it later. Um. Anyway, Abby invites Eileen to talk at the Women Against Pornography meeting because she wants to try to head this censorship shit off at the pass. She's like, "Hey, you know, uh, Eileen is like a success story. She's not making the kind of porn. There's like this. There's value in her free speech use of the this medium." Mm-hmm. And I love it because in the background, Loretta is just kind of like fretting the entire time through both of yeah. these scenes. And she's given like a really good, like just physically and emotionally uncomfortable with the situation performance. Um, so Eileen descri- decides to screen Red Riding Hood to this, you know, women against pornography. And I don't know what point in the movie they're at, but like the women are not having it. No. And they're about to get to the, the bits they'd rather not see. Well, but that's the thing is like, I think that. Or the bits they think they'd rather not see. Right. Because but like, it's not a traditional. What Eileen's trying to say is like, you don't understand the climax of this movie yeah. is the women getting, you know, getting one over on the, right. the big bad wolf. And the women just see that this is like a predator preying on women, probably. Yeah, it's another porn. Um, so she, like, and I thought that they were going to set her up to just win, like the argument, because she's giving yep. all the right answers. Like, you know, there's not a one size fits all solution. We're intelligent people. I want to have I want to have some things to say about sex. You have different things you want to say. We need to learn to be able to live with those differences. And my choices make sense to me and my films make sense to me. And you surely don't want to tell me who I have to love or who I have to fuck or what should be turned on. And then uh, what I think is, is supposed to be Andrea um, Vorkin. Vorkin? I, I don't know her name. I know she's like the figurehead of oh, this whole movement. Right. I've, I've read a lot of, I, guess I, I don't think I've ever heard her name pronounced other than, cause they don't call her that she's Andrea. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she's like, you, you come, you come in here and tell us that your personal anecdotal achievements in this multi-million dollar, now multi-billion dollar industry fueled by sexual oppression are what the average woman is going to get. Mm-hmm. Like she points out that like for every one of you, there's 12 women that are addicted to drugs and being abused and raped for every person that thinks they can manage their own commodification. There are a dozen that can't um, for every scene of your tasteful erotica. There are 10 times as many women being brutalized, having corn cobs shoved up their asses, uh, drugged up child porn. We found that last episode. Mm-hmm. What about them? And Candy's got nothing to say. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a compelling greater good argument. And it's a very, I think, steel man position. Like the opposite is like this, the strongest, most distilled form of the argument that the women against pornography are actually making in this era. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think there was room like, I, but the thing is, is I don't know that you want to have like this back and forth in one episode, but like the natural conclusion is like, okay, so why are we trying to ban erotica instead of trying mm-hmm. to ban and regulate the harmful practices that you're arguing about? Right. You're treating the symptom, not the cause. Right. Um, that That is the natural response. I don't think Eileen is is equipped to hear what she heard and mm-hmm. make that retort. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, it's a scene. much stronger play because I think that she is sympathetic that these women's take. It's a much stronger play to yeah. like listen absorb and come up with the your steel man 
you know, response to that rather than just, you know, have a half-assed kind of, you know, retort to them or call them all assholes or dismiss them. And that's why I'm saying, you know, this this season is getting messy here because there are arguments on both sides, both compelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where, well, I mean, I know where history comes down on this stuff, but, Mm -hmm. you know, what what is the show going to point out uh, in this regard? I don't know. It's so funny because, like... I feel like we're on the cusp of this like new wave of like democratic uh, porn because the um, amateur sites are getting so popular um, and there's like, you know, if, if you want to watch a certain person of any type of conceivable shape, orientation, color, mm-hmm. um, type of sex act there's people doing it of their own free accord some of them are doing it for fun some of them are doing it for money um and the only way they're getting exploited is if maybe the like i i heard that some of these cam sites take like half of the girls money the women's money or the men's money Uh, like that seems like system is yeah but like imagine if it was like a kickstarter system like they're taking 10 percent just to facilitate the credit card transactions and et cetera cetera. you know uh, spending the money on the bandwidth and stuff like that there are a lot of costs associated with it yeah it's true but like i don't know if that's good like if if the money split was was agreeable it's about as as non-exploitive as you can get in industry and uh i feel like that those things are flourishing and the big uh, porn houses are collapsing and we Despite that this is being illegal in so many areas and it's very kind of gray market, it's like there is like a threat of maybe something respectable. And there's a lot more like feminist auteur studios. Um, There's a lot more like LGBT representation. Yeah, I'm thinking like uh, so. So I know I've read a few articles about like the behind the scenes on these cam girl sites Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, And it's not always roses. You know, it's not always like independent. What have you heard? Because like this is something I've heard that there are houses so that a lot of these traditional porn companies come in and they fill entire homes like Big Brother style. It's just just cam girl after cam girl who essentially lives in a single room uh, and is just camming nonstop, especially when you go over to other countries. I mean, it's essentially sex slavery um, in those regards. But even even here in America, there are just like production studios set up that just you know, like even slaves, if, if you're if you're like confined to an eight by eight box for like twelve right. hours a day, right? Uh, and you don't you don't actually take in any of that money, so you're on an allowance, like those kind of holy things. Holy fuck! It's, yeah, there's the way to do it. It's pretty <laughs> fucked up that way too, which I don't quite understand because you could do this. Like, if if you're an 18 year old out there who wants to get into camming, you can just buy a seventy dollar webcam and do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I don't know why you would get mixed up in those sorts of situations, but probably you fall in the ro- you you you've trusted the wrong person. Yeah, you don't know how to hook it up. You don't yeah. know how to get a video, and then some you know uh, you you get hooked up with some guy that says he can yeah. help, and you sign a contract. And I I mean, you know, tricking young women into being and into uh, taking advantage of their bodies is as old as tricking anybody like yeah, there's like yeah. there's so many multiple layers of financial exploitation of people's bodies and work in the show that you know uh, it's hard to find one that's more egregious than x but like yeah well that's a bummer jim uh, but i thought i get, had the solution it's a little better because yeah. you know you can at least there's a chance that you could do this on your own yeah if you want to and it's not impossible it, you know in the in the 80s in yeah. the deuce it's impossible but it's, it's so funny to see like to me, the one thing that's never been tried or has been tried on very small scales is like legalization and regulation. Yeah. 
because like there's this like model i think it's called the scandinavian model the norwegian model where it's like well we don't have anything against sex workers we just want to we just want to crack down on pimps Mm -hmm. but the way they write the laws has the the and the research i've seen is like a pimp can be a person who rents you your apartment because that's supporting a prostitute right it's giving her a place to conduct her business so uh, the hope so the whole problem is you got homeless pro- prostitutes that get addicted to drugs get brutalized by pimps so now you pass a law that targets pimps but no one will rent you an apartment which leads to prostitutes being or sex workers being on the streets homeless addicted to drugs <laughs> in the pit it's like again yeah. like why don't we just legalize it and regulate it mm-hmm. you know so like women don't have to worry about getting arrested for complaining about their pimps you can they can they can they can organize there can be health standards there can be doctor's inspection i just to me like this with the drugs and everything else it just seems like legalization and regulation <laughs> like making it illegal just allows the exploitation to be that that much more yeah. but I don't know. I'm very curious because this is the thing that was really exciting to me this episode because I'm like, holy shit, this is a really thorny social issue. And I feel like that they're waiting, willing to break it down and get like the blackboard out and explain and like come to some cl- conclusions that might influence people. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he made the wire like almost 20 years ago and we've we, we've made progress some progress. There is some progress in our hometown, Indianapolis, just decriminalized weed two days huh. ago. Okay. That is a huge step in the right direction. When are we moving back? <laughs> well, well, we already live in a city where it's been legal or decriminalized, rather. Well, shit, we got we got yeah, medical but, in theory. Yeah, but we're gonna have to wait years for dispensaries and like, yeah, it's it's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about. So that's the thing that's ex- personally exciting. The thing that's actually the most exciting and the craziest thing and the most biggest gut punch is Frankie's story. Everyone in this episode is telling him you got to give Frank, you got to give Rudy a taste. You got to give Rudy a taste. Literally everyone. Um, yeah. I genuinely don't. I've seen. I've met people like this where it's like they do this power play of like, well, if you stop, like you got me dead to rights, but I don't like the fact you're bitching about it. Huh. So if you stop bitching about it, I'll let you. But like if you go back a month later and remind them, well, you're bitching, your clock's back to zero. I genuinely don't understand his thought process when the person that you're fucking with is a gangster. Yeah, like. Where does he think this is going to go? I, man, I don't know. I mean, I Jesus. The, the the only thing I can think is he doesn't give a shit. And and I'm 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 trying to reconcile. Like, okay, what, are, what? Look at his actions. Look at the final speech that he gives to Vince. The trouble is, I don't think I fully understand that final metaphor. Um, do so I don't right? have the context to understand why he's doing the things he's doing. Because as, here's the thing is like all this stuff is smokescreen for what actually kills him, which is him stepping on the drugs right. with the, was Pascal, Pascal Lee? I don't know his name. Um, but yeah. the, the, the made man's son that's getting into the, get the drug trade himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he, he, he doesn't back down on that, tells the guy to go fuck himself. So later on in the night he gets, uh, there's this incredible pulse pounding scene where there's a running gun battle, one-sided gun battle, this guy trying to put, and he's got a clip that's got 30 rounds apparently, <laughs> right. or maybe he's reloading. That's not that hard to do. Um, and he's just like, you know, there's other people think it's a lot easier to shoot people than it is. But like when the guy's moving and you're running after him, it's like there's tons and tons of studies that like it's even for trained police and military personnel. It's really fucking hard to hit, especially with pistols. So yeah. he's just shooting wild. And he's like, you almost believe that Frankie gets away. And then there's a scene where he's like up against the secure door and he's like frantically pounding, like, let me in, let me in, let me in. Because if this guy makes up the staircase, he's going to just 
plug me. Yeah. He gets in. I thought he made it. Like, oh, well, it's fucking middle of the season. What was I expecting? Then he collapses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to bleed to death in like two minutes right in front of Big Mike and, Fr- and, and Vinny and everybody. Yeah. He's dead. He's I will say... I don't know what it is with the brothers on the show, but they got the medical shit down on lock. Like Big Mike is whipping his belt off. He's got a tourniquet. Yeah. Uh, Black Frankie has got this guy trach tubed in like five seconds. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. These guys are fucking. I was black. I know Black Frankie was in Vietnam. Was he a naval corpsman? Yeah, who knows? And also, like I remember because my dad was a naval corps Vietnam era naval corpsman. Okay. And. There, he probably six different times in my life he mentioned, uh, like offhand that he could like trach tube somebody. What describing this very like pin knife <laughs> using the barrel of the pin is was that in like a fucking uh, naval corpsman field, field guide, manual yeah. thing? Because, like, again, like every time, so, so every time someone got stung by a bee or anytime like someone could go in anaphylactic shock, or he was always like, Well, you know, worst game's the worst, I wouldn't do it for anybody, <laughs> but you kids or your or, or your mother. I fucking, you know, if you're going to suffocate, I'm just going to trach tube you. But yeah, wow. these guys, I, in fact, now that we only have one Frankie, this mm-hmm. black Frankie shit's got to go. Yeah, there you go. Dr. Yeah. Frankie. Dr. Frankie. Dr. Mike. Show these men the, res- the, the respect they deserve. Okay. I like it. Um, So he dies and he's lying. Uh, lying and, and the thing is, is, I was keeping it together, even though I thought Franco, the Franco on Franco action, slapping Hot. each other with cake crying over each other's bodies i don't know how they're pulling it off man that's movie magic um but i i held it together until they zoomed out and i saw like a bit uh dr mike uh kind of leaning against the 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 wall kind of silently sobbing himself and i'm like well fuck it i guess that's everybody's gonna cry now what did you make of the infield fly rule metaphor that nothing. Frankie is trying to employ i made nothing of it because i thought he was talking about some kind of sacrificial fly and like uh, you know, Vincent could go on even though he's yeah. not going to, but apparently it's some rule in baseball. So I, I did a little digging, and when I was researching this, most pages stressed, like, this is the the most obscure and, and most confusing rule in all of baseball, and baseball is by far my least favorite sport. I know much less about baseball than I do about basketball, which I know much less than I know about football, which I don't even know that much about. Um but from what I understand is this is some kind of fairness rule where if there's a pop fly that's going to land in the infield, the the umpire at his discretion can just scream out that the this rule's in effect, which means that regardless of whether the infielder catches a ball or not, if he like fumbles it and drops it, it's counted as an out. Because there was a strategy, I guess, that this rule was dis- designed to discourage where an infielder would flub the ball. Mm-hmm. So the guy, that which means he can now throw to first and force the front runner on first out. But because it's a pop fly, the runner that's on first, who would be tagging up to get on the second, like... Uh, he can't run back to first because the first guy's coming. They can force him out yeah. at first, and then you've got him pinched in between first and second. It's almost like setting a trap. And then you just run him down, yeah. When you if, if, if when you could easily catch it, and they, mm. they thought that's a bullshit anti-competitive strategy. Yeah, it's a two-for-one. Now, thing. and there's all kinds of obscure rules, like if, if there's a runner on first and third, but not if he's on second, and but, but if he's on second and, like, who cares? What does this have to do with what's going on with Frankie? I don't know, man. Because it does feel like there's a like you know like a, there's a sacrificial quality like only one of us 
Right. You know, we, 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 we both can't be mixed up in this world and get away with it. So I'm the one, I'm the sacrifice, but also the guy's dying of bleeding to death. So maybe he's just kind of dreamy. Yeah. Talking nonsense. I, I honestly, that was my biggest question coming out of this episode. Cause the first time I watched it, I didn't even hear what he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, second time I thought he was talking about sacrificial fly, but like, I don't know. Hmm. Well, Again, this is uh, two people that don't know anything about baseball mm-hmm. trying to do some analysis. If you know what the hell Frankie was getting at with this. Uh, the other thing is it could be a reference to an earlier season, which I didn't. He's saying like you never understood. Yeah. So, so it's like implied the... that Vincent should get this. Was, they, was there a conversation in season one where they're having this conversation? And, and on second watch, I'll be like, oh, oh, shit. Maybe. Yeah. If, is... if you know about that, point it out right in. And... Yeah. TV at baldmove.com. Because I know the second watch through the wire there was tons of those moments where i remember yeah. the climax of storylines and when you see the beginning of storylines like oh shit this was like really carefully laid out in architect in advance so anyway yeah tv at baldmove.com uh do we have anything else you want to talk about not really no. i guess rudy there's like there's like a little comedy scene uh frankie yeah. fucking with uh bobby over his toupee i mean and who melts this american cheese over apple pie is that a new york thing why have I heard of that before? I don't know. Because I've never heard like of that before. It sounds like it's a very specific thing. Like, like I can kind of like I can kind of see like some kind of apple strudel mm-hmm. cheese Danish kind of thing they're going for, but American cheese? <laughs> it's the worst of the cheeses. I think so. Yeah, because it's it's not even real cheese, is it? I think that's one of the scams of American cheese. It's it's neither American it, nor like cheese. Sawdust. <laughs> this whole. I mean, it's like cheese is defined as like a dairy product that goes uh-huh. through this process and american cheese i think they just make like in the Do- dr manhattan chamber from watchman <laughs> okay they yeah. put like soy and mm-hmm. yellow chalk and dust corn. and yeah probably corn syrup and they push a button and electricity flows and then uh-huh. it turns into craft singles and they slap it on an apple pie yeah they slap it on <laughs> apple pie throw it in the mic and uh there you go uh but Leon that was funny serves it up <laughs> That was funny. Rudy visiting Bar- Bobby's uh, parlor and the the, the hull is like, yeah, so you tell me business is so good. I can't get laid in my own goddamn whorehouse. Yeah. It, it, so that makes me wonder, is Bobby not long for this business? Like if the out calls are so good and he's not facilitating the out calls the it's way been, that he should be. Then lots of shots at him, his management and like, why yeah. are we even paying you? Especially when the girl behind the desk is like Johnny on the spot. With yeah, like, she's running the place. Yeah, we need to make Rudy happy. Uh, you can't just say, hey, come back in a couple hours, man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe, maybe. It'd be interesting. It's getting if, cut out. So at this point, who do you think, who else is going to be taken down? Like, Shay seems like a good bet if she didn't die several episodes. Um, Paul's boyfriend, Todd. I mean, with Gotti coming in, it's like... Rudy. Everybody involved Tommy in Longo, that. Yeah. Vince. Could be. Like, still, Abby's, still Abby's be. walking out of this place. She's, like, the, one of the few, like, truly good person that, that is almost zero so. hypocrisy. Always tried to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want Abby to make it out of this. Uh, I feel like... I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think Eileen's not going to die. Mm-hmm. I actually, I don't think that uh, Lori's going to die. But I'm, I'm worried about Vince. I'm worried about Bobby. Yeah, these guys are kind of like poised to be mixed up in this. Also, like Black Frankie, or I'm sorry, Doctor Frankie, uh, Doctor Franklin was picked up and taken to Rikers for his uh, 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 emergency tracheotomy on this guy. Yeah, 
That was a hell of a scene too. Mm-hmm. This guy fucking John Wicking in his hotel, thinking that he's gonna like, what am I going, what am I going into here? And it turns out it's just some old guy who couldn't handle his prostitutes. Uh-huh. Yeah, he got a, a over the top blowjay, I guess. What, what was he trying to do? Like, what, he was trying to like watch something or eat something at the I, same time. I, I don't know. He's but apparently yeah. just choked on choked on something. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. Good. I, I, that's what I'm saying. These, these guys. Oh, lobster. Right. He wanted to eat lobster. Lobster. Well, he's a yeah. Is lobsters famously chokeable? I feel like steak is like that's what you choke on. Red yeah. meat. Yeah. Red meat. Can't choke on a lobster. It's scientifically impossible. No, it's the, the choke on a lobster because it's soaked in butter and it just just slides, slides right down. It's not going to get stuck. <laughs> it's going to slide in one direction or another. It's not going to get stuck. <laughs> That's just that was the fatal flaw. He did not dip it. That's just oh, he did. He's, he's he forgot to dip. Raw, he was so wrapped up in what raw was going dog down. and the lobster. Yeah, oh, that ain't safe. See, and the man died. <laughs> man died because of you got to sleeve it up with butter. Don't you know that? Yeah, and you got to put you got to put that plastic bib on. If if not, then because that's you know you got the butter for the butter so you don't choke the bib uh-huh. so you don't get butter on you. Yep, wrap it up, people. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think in this scenario, the bib is for the prostitute more than the wearer of the bib. Was <laughs> it? They don't want butter in their hair. Oh my god, me? it's a butter dam. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I did. Were we going anywhere? With no, that? we're done with this. We were done with this podcast ten minutes ago. TV at baldmove.com. You can also join our thread on the Deuce at forums.baldmove.com if you'd like to discuss it further. Um, yeah, I, I. It's a mid-season finale felt appropriate. Yeah. Like, where are they going to go from here? Big event. And shits up in the air. It's going to be. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see where where it's going to go. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll be back next week for another episode on Wednesday. Until then, I'm your host Aaron, and I'm Jim. See ya.